But how do I separate my life from my cup? We all know the circumstances of our jobs, money, family, relations, they dictate the quality of your life. Remember the two statements from the little video. And then you began eyeing each other's cup. The happiest of people don't have everything, the best of everything. They make the best of everything. So we may look at others and say to ourselves, you know, they are so fortunate. Or we may look at others and say, oh my goodness, how fortunate I am, I'm not in their circumstances. The thing is, we all want to be content. And from Hebrews 13, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God had said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be content with what you have. There's nothing wrong with striving for more. There's nothing wrong with trying to improve yourself. But are you content? Do I try for something more? And when I get that, now I want something else. Then I want something else. From Romans, it says, chapter 12, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly, or less, I put that in there, than you ought, but rather think yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. Don't think more of yourself than someone else. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Remember the last words of that little video. Love simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly, and may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. God's portion for each one of us is to be joy and peace, but there's the trials and tribulations of life. And how can I get through those? How can I improve my quality of life in the circumstances that I'm finding myself in? I don't know. It's... It's just unbearable. But I want to tell you that your quality of life can be strategically linked to a faith in Jesus Christ. So do we live simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly? As I said, our quality of life, I believe, is directly related to our job as Christians. Believing in Jesus Christ confessing to be a sinner, repenting, and asking Jesus Christ to dwell in our lives. That's a quality of life. Our number one job as a Christian is to glorify God. Glorify God in everything that we allow our lips to speak, our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our witness of our life to those around us. That's a quality of life. And how are we to accomplish this? Well, by placing the benefit of others ahead of ourselves, foregoing our liberty so that the lost may be saved, by pursuing the likeness of Christ. Yes, a job can be an analogy to the Christian life. From the scriptures, we have our Christian job description. 
This is from God's word, and this is a job description. From Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That's your job description when you're a Christian. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So everything you say is a witness. Everything you allow your eyes to see is a witness. Everything you hear is a witness to Christ. Everything about your life, that you, the way you live, is a witness testimony. Witnessing doesn't necessarily have to be words. Witnessing is your life, what you do. How you react, how you have your relations, all of these things. For the young people, witnessing. You watch older people. So we're all being watched. Who is our example? Of course, our example is Jesus Christ. But our lives, our quality of our life must be a witness to him as well. We look at the funnel aspects of a job because practicing, believing, trusting Christians is to glorify God. And we look at the job in the world and I want to make that analogy of authority, responsibility, and accountability in the workplace. And I'm not talking about the job itself, okay? Whether uh, you like your job or not, whether it pays well or not, maybe the people you work with, I'm only talking about your personal work ethic. All right? First, you recognize and respect the authority or the positions that you're working. You're fully responsible for your work ethic, which is you're on time, you have integrity, okay? You're a team player, all right? Everything you do is the best interest of the organization, the company, or whoever you're working. And if you're a self-employed, it still goes the same way. If you characterize yourself in these ways of authority, responsibility, and accountability, your employer is going to be very pleased with you. And you'll be quite content because when your employer is happy with you, I guarantee you, you are going to be content in your job. And don't forget, your contentment of your work enables you to handle when there's circumstances that come your way that are quite difficult. From my own personal experience, I uh, enjoyed my time in the military, and there were times that were very troubling and trying. However, the contentment of your job allows you to overcome circumstances, also to even rejoice even more when you're successful. Like I said, that goes for self-employed people as well. But what about our jobs as Christians? What do I mean, a job as a Christian? When I accepted Jesus Christ, did I sign up for a job? Did you sign up for a job? Was I given any authority for the job? No. What am I responsible for? What am I accountable for? I'm going to come back to the scripture readings uh, from Jared, Leah, and Cadrian. First, let me make it perfectly clear to you, though. You have a job as a Christian, but you cannot work out your salvation, okay, by doing good works. On the contrary, we're called to do good works as a way of showing that God does indeed live in us. 
These good works in no way earn your salvation. They are simply proof of what God has already done in us. In other words, God has already done the staggering work of salvation in us at the cross. He has saved us, forgiven us, rescued us, put his Holy Spirit in us, and united us to Jesus. That glorious work has already been done. But let's look at the specific scriptures in the Lord's word that details authority, responsibility, and accountability. You heard them read. All right? All authority is given to Jesus under heaven and earth. Responsibility, we talked about husbands, love your wives, wives, submit to your husbands, all of these things. But the thing is, the purpose of that is to exemplify to others, that's the way I live. That's my quality of life. If you come into my home, you'll see me respecting my children. You'll see spouses respecting each other. You'll see families respecting brothers and sisters. You'll see people respecting each other. It doesn't, you know, it, it's just a purposeful quality of life that we want to exemplify to the non-believers. Okay? And then the last, Cadium when he read, accountability. All of us are going to be accountable. And I'm going to explain a little bit about authority, responsibility, and accountability in the aspect of a job and the aspect of being a Christian. Authority means nothing but power. If you look at just very basic worldly things, authority means nothing but power. Now, responsibility means an obligation to do something. Accountability means re being responsibly to answer for what was done, not done, said, or sa not said. But it's not that simple. We have to look a little bit deeper. Authority really means denotes a granting of power. Responsibility indicates a satisfactory completion of an obligation, and accountability refers to answerability regarding one's work and conduct. So all of us, no matter what, we've been granted authority, even basically if you say grant authority as a parent, or where you're working, but we're all responsible to, for something. All right? And we're also accountable. Now, authority, that can be delegated. That means it's given out. Responsibility can be shared, but I can't pass on the responsibility. If I'm given a responsibility, I'm responsible. I can't say, well, the boss, I'm responsible to ensure this is done. Hey, Bob, make sure that's done, will you? I was given the responsibility, not Bob. I cannot share, I'm sorry, I cannot delegate, give my responsibility to someone else. Accountability, I can't share it, and I can't give it to somebody else. I am accountable for what I am supposed to do, not do, say, not say. I'm the one that's going to be held accountable. One has to answer one's own 
accountability. Nobody else can answer for you. If you're at work and you're in an organization and that organization gives you a responsibility and you're accountable to make sure certain work is done and the work doesn't get done and the boss comes down and he looks at you and you say, and he says, why wasn't this done? You can't look left, you can't look right. Yes, maybe somebody under you didn't get it done, but I'm sorry, that person's come to you because the responsibility was given to you, not to the other person. Yes, you may wear it because the person under you that you held accountable to make sure they did their part. Authority and responsibility follow each other. Now, responsibility without authority is as meaningless as authority without responsibility. Both together should be balanced and practiced. One alone cannot function productively. Authority without responsibility leads to tyranny. I'm in charge and I'm responsible, answerable only to me. I don't answer to nobody. Everybody answers to me. It's like a dictatorship. And that happens around the world. And responsibility without authority leads to ineffectiveness. Let's take a second. things that were made in October. It's a little humorous. That man on the assembly line wasn't very responsible. But he couldn't be held accountable by that man in his garage as his nail gun was going crazy. That's humorous. But think about this. What happens if our police forces had the responsibility to protect and keep us safe, but they had no authority to issue tickets, make arrests, or use legitimate, uh, uh, legitimate force. Just think how ineffective that police force would be. Okay? So, authority with no responsibility, dictatorship. Responsibility with no authority becomes ineffective. Now, Similarly, accountability follows responsibility. Accountability makes one conscious of your responsibilities without which you may go astray or shirk your duties. If I'm not going to hold you accountable, why are you going to do anything? Don't worry about it. It refers to the fact that a person who is given authority must recognize that the position above them will judge the quality of their work. The person that issued the authority to you is going to say to you that above them, above them, they're going to judge your quality of your performance. We all know in a regular job, in most cases, your advancement in your job is based on your performance. And the better you do, maybe the more responsibility, the more money, 
But that's just in the worldly aspects of things. Each member of an organization is obligated to report to their superior how well they have exercised their responsibility and the use of authority delegated to them. Now, you can't reduce your responsibilities by delegation. You're given a responsibility. I've said this before. You're given a responsibility. It's yours to do. All right? You can't delegate it away to somebody. You can delegate some authority that you have to give them some responsibility, but you can't do that unless you're going to give them the proper authority, the proper resources, and the proper instructions to do their job. If you don't, then how can you expect them to do the job properly if they don't have the proper tools and resources? It's the same as I'm going to show you later that Jesus Christ has given each one of us the proper authority and tools and resources to be his witnesses. A person will still be accountable directly to their superior no matter what. And we've seen at different times in the news about the head person being held responsible for something that was done at the bottom of the organization partway through. We've heard the term, the buck stops here. The whole aspect is the person given the responsibility, being high up, be it a CEO or whatever, it is their responsibility to ensure that everybody under is given the appropriate authority, the appropriate resources to do the job. The person above them does not care to an extent that they didn't do their responsibility because three or four people didn't do theirs or so on. I gave you the responsibility. It is your responsibility to ensure that things are done. And we see that all the time, that they go after the head person because they're supposed to know everything that's going on in the organization and the people. Jesus Christ knows every single thing that is going on with his people. And that's not just his people, that's the entire population of the world. He knows what everybody is doing. The main difference between responsibility and accountability is that responsibility can be shared, while accountability cannot be shared. Accountability is something you hold a person to only after the task is done or not done. I give you a responsibility, I walk away. I'm only going to make you accountable if you didn't do it or you didn't do it properly. In the case of our Christian life, after our life on earth is done, we're accountable to Jesus. He's the one that will sit in judgment. If we look into God's word to find out about our jobs as Christians first, how do we get the job? How do you get the job? All right, normally, there's a job, you're going to apply for a job, you see what the job is about, you have a resume. You want to offer your skills, your experience, your education, your capability, but understand something. The job as a Christian requires no resume. You don't have to have any special skills. You don't have to have any special education. You don't have to have any special experience. What you need to have is a repentant heart, a desire to ask for forgiveness, and an asking of Jesus Christ to dwell in your heart so that you allow the Holy Spirit to dwell. And then 
You've accepted that authority and you're on the staff. Don't think you have to have the best resume, that you have to have the best experience, that you have to be just absolutely right before you step in to being a Christian. That's not what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for a repentant heart. He's looking for a person who will ask for forgiveness and ask Jesus Christ to dwell in their heart, and they will try, and they will work towards being that job description, witnesses for Christ throughout the world. Not only in words, but in quality of life. Authority is delegated to us through Jesus. Where, this is where our faith, our belief, and the word of God and the authority of Jesus becomes our teacher and source for the necessary resources to do our Christian job. God's word is a great resource, great instruction. And it's there. That's, for, that's what we're supposed to do. But the authority in the book of Titus in chapter 2. No to ungodliness, all right, the grace of God, worldly passions, live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Now encourage and rebuke doesn't mean simply words. Encourage people by your life. Help people that are in crisis that maybe there's crisis you were able to overcome only because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You encourage people by coming alongside of them. All right? Rebuke is a very strong word, but you can gently do things to help people to understand what they may be doing wrong. But we remember, don't do that with the thought that you yourself have a plank in your eye when you're trying to do something. This is where you use and pray with the help of the Holy Spirit that you witness your job to witness is righteous. We all have to ensure that our lives are a true testimony. And the only perfect one that was on this earth was Jesus. And that is our role model. And we want to witness and we want to exemplify his life within us. As it said before, when you do good works, you are simply acknowledging that Jesus Christ lives in you. From God's own word, all authority to encourage and rebuke. But remember... Teaching is not just words, but also being a living Christian example. What about responsibility? While we're doing our job as Christians, we do have responsibilities. But I keep, I'll go back. Remember, you can't delegate responsibility. You can't. It's been given to you. We saw our responsibilities for the Christian household and to others, but there's scriptures detailing even more demanding responsibilities of Christian jobs, for our Christian jobs. 
from Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is Paul talking to the Philippians. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Does our, does our lives, or can each of us say the same thing as Paul did? What do people see in you and I as exemplifying Jesus Christ? What do they see in us? What do they hear from us? What do they see us watching? Okay? Remember back it said, who, who are we that we judge? There is only one judge. I can't judge you in the way that Jesus Christ will judge you. From Galatians chapter 6, it says, doing good to all. In chapter 6, verse 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. That aspect of the family of believers, but we're to do good to everyone. Everyone, even those that we might have trouble with, even those that we might find ourselves at odds with, we are to do good to everyone. Now the most challenging aspect, accountability. Caden read the scriptures that describe accountability all of us will be held accountable for the level of obedience for our Christian responsibilities of what we should or should not have done, said or should not have said, thought, should not have thought. We'll all stand before God's judgment seat. Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Ourselves. Nobody's going to stand in front. I can't say, well... This person will speak for me. That one will speak for me. I did all this and I did all that. I said this. I will stand to give an account of myself before God. And that's the basis of God's judgment. It's a process that ends in the decision about whether each of us is worthy of his eternal reward, which is heaven, or our own eternal punishment, hell. It's one or the other. Heaven or hell. There's nothing in between. And it's our life while we're on this earth that we're going to be held accountable for. From Revelations chapter 20, Then I saw a great white throne of him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from its presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. When you read about the disciples who thought it was great that they were able to cast out demons, stamp on scorpions, all these things, and Jesus said, 
Don't be glad because you could do that. Be glad because your name was in the book of life. All of us have been given the authority to be witnesses for Christ. Do we accept the responsibilities? Do we accept the authority first, then the responsibilities, and understand the accountability? If your life is not already witnessing for the Lord, and you're feeling a strong desire to serve the Lord, I invite you to come forward as we sing our closing hymn as the praise team comes up. This hymn that we're going to sing is, This is Just What Heaven Means to Me. But if you're a non-believer and you haven't asked Jesus Christ into your heart, the scriptures tell us on Judgment Day, the judgment will be either heaven or hell. You need to be able to sing, This is What Heaven Means to Me, knowing because you've turned your life over to Jesus Christ, that heaven is where your eternal resting place will be. In order to have authority of Jesus Christ to be his witness, we must first come to him as repentant sinners, asking forgiveness, and inviting him into our hearts. Would you please stand as we sing the closing hymn, This is just what heaven means to me.